Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated former lovers that covers all the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It It Just just Makes Sense. sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. And this week, when I tell you the algorithms on Hulu (laughs) just get me, it's fucking startling. Tell me more. It's my turn to lead the ship this week. You know, like once every other month. (laughs) Logging in, looking for ideas for a podcast. The first suggestion I get is a murder for hire plot involving the Chippendales. Like the male strippers. Yes. Oh my God. If that wasn't When you told me Chippendales, the first thing I thought was, was Chip and Dale. Oh, uh, like a Disney no, thing. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> like people obsessed with furries. The dancers. My God. I, I just want to say thank you, Hulu. Thank you, 2020, for starting <laughs> off your new season with this because it was fucking good. I can't wait. Wild. I've never heard of it. Me neither. I had no oh idea. God. So let's get into it. Starting in the 1980s, the Chippendales exotic dancers became a global sensation, and let me tell you. When I was watching these clips, they were terrible dancers. Really? <laughs> when they first started out, they were showing the original, like the yeah. clips of the first night that it opened. They could not dance. They had great oh, it's bodies. Like a club? Well, I'm going to tell you how oh, okay, okay, it okay, like, okay. gets its name and how it yeah. starts and stuff. But they just, like, they were definitely 80s porn star mustache. Yeah. Good bodies, but yeah. like, could not dance. It was, okay. it was really funny. They, <clears throat> the Chimney Owls were known, you know, they were known for the, um, like the tuxedo, the cops right. and stuff like and that. They, yeah. They never showed their wieners. Oh, really? No. They never, they still don't. They're still a thing? Yeah. So, okay, but is it like the Thunder Down Under where they like travel and go to different events or is it just one club where you go and see Chippendales? Well, now they're just a touring show. Like I oh, think okay, they okay. have a residency. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And I think it's, I think it's the Riviera. Really? I feel in like Vegas. I'm surprised that people go and see it because it's like, with Magic Mike and Thunder Down Under, like you get more raunchy things now. It still happens. Wow. Still happens. That's fine. So let's set the stage. It's 1980, and the, and the decade was ripe for the picking for the Chippendales. Steve Banerjee, an Indian immigrant that came to LA in the early 1960s, bought a rundown dance club and renamed it Destiny 2. He tried various gimmicks, gimmicks including backgammon night, disco lessons, mud wrestling. But it wasn't until 1979 when he decided to rebrand the club Chippendales that it started to take off. Contrary to people's beliefs, it was named after the 18th century designer Thomas Chippendale, not the children's cartoon. Interesting. They brought in all kinds of his furniture and had it strewn about the club. Even with the upgrades, the club still wasn't doing much new business. Have you ever been mud wrestling? No. Have no. you ever been jello wrestling? No. Oh. Have you? I've been jello wrestling. You like did it? Yeah. Huh. It was a church camp thing. <laughs> Stop. I was going to ask you if you had a top on. We also used to do something called jello snarfing, where you would like, it was like a jello eating competition. But me and my one friend that was our team, we would crack the bowls and then slide the jello onto her lap. So we would always win. And then when she stood up, we would just like try to hide Cheaters. it. Cheaters. Cheaters to the end. In the eyes of the Lord. In the eyes of the Lord. Wow. Victory overcomes. And wow. hmm. justify the means. <laughs> it was then at this time a shady character named Paul Snyder stopped into his club and pitched in an, an idea that would go on to make history. 
Snyder was a club promoter who was thought of as somewhat of a skeezy kind of guy. Snyder suggested to Banerjee that he start a male strip show after seeing an all-male review for gay men. But the twist, this show would be for women. Oh my God. The only condition for him to use the idea pitch was that Paul, Paul Snyder had to be the MC. The show immediately was a big hit. The first night produced 600 Stop. women. Stop. Yeah, 600 women in this packed club. That's I crazy. think they said the occupancy was like 190 Stop. people. Yeah, it was jammed packed. The only men allowed in the club were the bartenders, servers, and of course the performers. The club and the show started to gain more attention and fame when Paul Snyder started dating Playboy playmate Dorothy Stratton. Mm, Dorothy. I know, right? What a name for a playmate. Also, like, so they only let women in. Sometimes that pisses me off because it's like, what about gay men? Well, it was back in the 80s. Mm. Like it's... Yeah, all right, like fine. All accepting and all, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So Snyder and Banerjee were invited to the Playboy Mansion and even became associates of Hugh Hefner. That's even where they got their signature outfits from. They were modeled after the Playboy Bunny. They're kind of like... Oh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Now, despite all of the early success of the show, it had one big problem. Oh, God. Paul Snyder was an awful MC. No jokes. No witty lines and no interaction with the crowd. So after a while, Steve Banerjee had had enough and he fired Paul Snyder. Needless to say, pa- Snyder was pissed. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. It's like your show. His idea. His idea. And he fires him. So Paul loses his job. And to top it off, his hottie girlfriend was named Playmate of the Year in 1979. And that same year, she left him for director Peter Bagdanovich. I don't know who that well, is. Well, me either, but like, sorry, bro, unemployed now. Don't want you. Yeah. You know? Got it. Toot and Gotta get it where he can, yeah. He was so enraged and jealous of her success, he murdered her. Stop. You're then, lying. And then he killed himself. Stop. Mm-hmm. You're lying. He shot her in the face with a 12-gauge <gasps> shotgun, and then he turned it on himself. But that's not even the case we're looking at. I was going to say, I was not <laughs> expecting the sudden turn of events. Yeah, that's that was just open and shot. There was no no need for an investigation. They knew it was him. Open Where and shot. did he do it? I don't know. They didn't really get into wow. that. Because that's really not what it was about. Isn't that wild? Yes. So let's fast forward after the murder a few years to 1981. Steve meets a new man named Nick DeNoia. Nick DeNoia was an Emmy Award winning children's show producer. Huh. Nick knew that women needed much more than just naked men. They wanted outfits, personalities, and storylines. Nick was sort of a hard ass, monitoring the dancers' bodies and outfits with a fine-tooth comb. Here we go. Under Denoya's direction, the Chippendales went to heights they had never seen before. Steve Banerjee was making $8 million a year, pretty much based on Denoya's new ideas and then the tension started to and brew. And like $8 million in the 80s. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Denoy was better looking and more charismatic than the kind of pudgy looking Steve Banerjee. Yeah. He was also getting ready to open a second club in New York City. Because this was in LA, right? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The two men had very different visions for the show. Steve was all about the looks and bodies of the men. While Nick wanted performers, 
After the New York City club opened, Chippendales took off. Celebrities like Andy Warhol and Brooke Shields regularly visited so the club. So they started to allow men in. In the New York one. Oh, okay. Yeah. They didn't. Okay. Um, at that time, it was just the New York one. Yeah. The Chippendales were booked on shows like Regis and Kathy Lee. Stop, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they showed oh all God, they showed all these clips. Yeah, it was good. The Phil Donahue show, Sally Jesse Raphael, and they were even on the Today Show. Wow, I'm just surprised. Yeah, like, like back in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nick Denoya was becoming a star. He was often credited with being the founder of Chippendales, and that made Steve. Mad. Yeah, I'd be fucking pissed. Real mad. I'd be real mad too. It was funny, like I'd was, be big mad. I was talking to a coworker of mine at the restaurant and I was talking about this episode, yeah. whether or not she watched it, and she was like, Oh yeah. Didn't and uh wasn't the um the founder the one that was murdered? And I was like, oh, now I know why I was so mad, because even in death they think it's the <laughs> other guy. <laughs> I'd be fucking pissed too. <laughs> I can't. So after New York opened, a fateful event in the 1980s changed the course of the Chippendales forever. The napkin deal was struck. The fuck does that mean? Well, let's get into it. Nick DeNoia wanted to take the tour, take the show on tour. Okay. He wanted to take them on the road all across the United States. So they scribbled down on a cocktail ni- napkin at a roadside diner. It was determined that DeNoia would receive 50% of all the profits and have complete creative control wow. of the tour. all right. Banerjee signed off on the agreement quickly because he thought the tour was not going to be a ma- moneymaker. There was one little catch on the napkin that slipped by Banerjee. The agreement included the phrase, in perpetuity, or forever. There was no end wow. to it. Steve Banerjee ignored the phrase because, admittedly, he didn't know, know what it meant. Isn't that wild? <laughs> Like, they just signed this agreement. And, I mean, they were already making a lot of money. Yeah. but I don't know. I feel like 50%. I would have wanted more if I was running the whole goddamn thing. I'm only getting 50%? I mean... I want 80-20. Well, it wasn't Denoria's brand, so I would understand yeah. why 50-50, but... I guess. Anyways. So, the tour was a hit. Well, yeah. Denoya was raking in the cash, and so were the dancers. Steve Banerjee was fuming mad at what he lost. He felt he was duped. So now, as but like, was he duped? I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think so. The because way that he felt like it wasn't gonna, ha- it wasn't gonna be successful, and it was. So it's exactly. not like he was duped. Yeah, you were a moron. You just didn't have good yeah, foresight on it, right? Yeah, I don't feel bad for him. Me either. Fucking douchebag. I feel like he would have been more duped if like it was like eighty twenty. Like, you oh, know what right. I mean? He's like, still getting 50, half of that's it. That's what I mean. You're yeah. getting 50% of it, bro. I get like, it. You should be happy it's making that much money. Yeah. It was why. I hate him. Continue. So now, <laughs> as all of the tensions are mounting, Steve is making, Steve is still making a lot of money off of another venture, the famous Chippendales calendars. Oh, hey, hey, hey. However, he's known as quite the tightwad, and he's not sharing any of those profits with Nick or even the men in the calendars. Okay, that's wild. Yeah. I can see him not sharing with Nick because it's not part of, like, their agreement. Right. But, like, how are you not paying the people yeah. in the calendars? Well, they were paid, but very minuscule. Okay. It wasn't like they were making a lot of money. Right. So then all of this came to a screeching halt in 1987. What a great year. 
Is that the year you're born? Correct. <laughs> Easter Sunday. Oh. Such a gift from the resurrection. The, the risen Lord. The brought, risen Lord brought Samantha, Samantha Joe. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so one night, while remu- while reviewing the mock-up calendar, Steve, in a tight deadline, quickly signed off on the mock-up. There was one huge problem. He didn't notice that February had 38 days in it and May had 30. They went on to the printers to go print 800,000 copies incorrectly. 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31 except for February, which is 28. Yeah, 28 and 31. He clearly... He didn't look. Didn't look, and he didn't memorize that poem. Yeah. The mistake Idiot. cost seven hundred thousand dollars. Now I don't. That doesn't sound like a lot right now, but at the time, you no, know he blamed someone else. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. For sure, yeah, hundred percent blamed him. But at the time, that was ten percent of his annual earnings, so that was a big chunk of money. Seriously, yeah, it was a lot of money. Have you ever done something like that where you really fucked up at work like that? Yes. Yeah. Me oh too. My God. It's like, uh, so in my first job, I was um, putting together this um, like awareness fair. Yeah. And I was trying to get a speaker to come for free because we had no money for yeah. it. So I was trying to get this like, he was kind of a well known um, like psychiatrist in the okay. area. His name was Dr. Carl Shallowhorn. I addressed him as Dr. Carl Swallowhorn. <laughs> but I feel like that's not that bad. I feel like that was pretty... I was asking him to do something for free and I couldn't even spell his name oh, right. Oh, like to him. Yeah. I mean, like when I was working orientation at my old institution, I was like the coordinator for it. And I sent out this... like this Through our system, I was sending out a letter saying that like you've been... Your orientation has gone through. Here's your person number, all this stuff. I sent it out to every every student got every letter. They had to reassign every student ID number <gasps> because everyone had their information. Huh. All of the incoming freshmen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsies. Hey, bye. <laughs> well, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad they fire you no actually they like were really good about it because it was like the first time i was doing it and i was following like the instructions they gave me and the instructions they gave me weren't right Uh, so they were like oh so it was super embarrassing they had to reassign every student id that's a great story (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) i'm so proud of you (laughs) so after making this huge mistake steve channeled all of his anger on nick he lost a ton of money and Nick was making money hand over fist. In order to recoup some of the cash, Banerjee created his own separate Chip and Dale's tour, which is Stop. against... Mm-hmm. So now there were two going on at the same time. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why yeah. did he think that would be a good idea? I mean, it worked. He's, really? Yeah, there was two at the same time. And like, how would you... But how would you... Like, I don't think about it. How would you know that they were separate tours? Yeah, that's true. You know, like they both You're just own... more cities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You would, I wouldn't think that. I would just think that they just wanted to do more right. shows. Yeah. Nick even tried to take him to court to shut down the other one, but it didn't work. Wow. So as revenge for the lawsuit and the rival tour, Nick decided to create his own calendars 
further straining the relationship between the two men. I do the same thing. His cal- I would pe- petty buddy it. Right? His calendars are so cool. Really? So they had like, they kind of reminded me of like, you know, paper dolls, how you put yeah, the yeah, dress yeah, on yeah. them. So these ones had like a layer. It was like a clear layer on the top, which had the clothes on it. Oh, and you lifted the like- clothes up <gasps> and the men were in the... This Stop. underneath that is isn't that cool? Though so back in the eighties, that was yeah, probably like, like whoa. whoa! Look at this technology. It'd be even cool if it was three D. Oh, the wiener, right? Big bulge. <laughs> so, as the tensions are simmering, later in nineteen eighty-seven, all hell breaks loose. Oh my god! This is all in the same year. Yeah, mm-hmm. wild. On April seventh, nineteen eighty-seven. Just a few short days before Sammy Joe Calabrese was born, a man comes into Nick DeNoia's New York City office looking for him, walks right into his office, shoots and kills him. Dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So as the murder investigation unfolds, it takes many twists and turns. They investigate former lovers and associates. They don't know who did it? No. No one saw him go in? So there was another guy in the office at the time who could ID him, like, but it wasn't, it was the 80s, so it wasn't yeah. like, if he wasn't, there wasn't that. Unless he knew him. Yeah. Right. So he didn't okay. know who he was. They had a witness, but they couldn't find the yeah. guy. Wow. Yeah. He got, he got away. Mm-hmm. So they even thought the mafia may have had a part in it. Because of how much money he had? Well, be- I mean. They thought like it could be a business deal gone wrong between the mafia because, you know, the mafia always takes a cut of everything. Well, that's how it was in New York at the time. But they were making a ton of money off them Uh, at the time. So they really had no incentive to kill him to like shut down the show. It was just it just made no sense. So on the show, um, 2020, Nick's sister-in-law was interviewed and she said, from the minute it happened, I knew that Steve Banerjee at least had something to do with it. But they couldn't pin it on him because he was in California across the country at the time. So for hire, the murder investigation actually went really cold. Like it was unsolved for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they couldn't figure it out. So with Nick out of the picture, Banerjee bought back his shares from his family and was making all the cash again. Why did his family sell it? They probably needed the money or wanted the money. They probably didn't want anything to do with it. I don't. I have no idea. They didn't really get into that. Cut it and cut the money coming. Yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, he was running it, so they. Yeah. I don't know. Could they run it or not? Yeah. So while he was making all this money, the LA club started to hit problems. No. He was being sued by multiple people and organizations. The largest and most notable was a civil rights case. It wasn't a very well hidden secret that Steve would only allow a few black people in the club at a time. He believed that too many black men in a club would drive white women away and hurt his business. Wow. Isn't that fucked up? So he ordered the bouncers to separate the black men into their own line and only let in a select amount. That's wild. Right? Wow. It's fucked up. It is fucked up. I mean, you know, I mean, you know that shit happened, but yeah. to think in California I that know. it was going That's on, right? Yeah. yeah. So, after hearing about this, a man named Don Gibson set up a sting operation where he and two of his white friends tried to enter Chippendales. He was denied entry despite being better dressed, and he had proof, and this became the basis for his lawsuit. 
after Gibson appeared in the initial court proceedings, he received a, received a strange call from a rental car agency. Some documents with his information were found in the backseat of a car, so the company thought they belonged to him and wanted to return them. They were returned to him. However, it turned out to be the property of a private investigator hired by Steve Banerjee to follow Gibson. Banerjee had planned to frame Gibson and have him arrested, caught with a sex worker, and if that failed, he was going to have him killed. Wow. That's crazy. So in addition to the lawsuit, the California Department of Alcohol Beverage Control, Alcoholic Beverage Control, sub- suspended his liquor license for repeated violations of overcrowding. The original club was shut down. It couldn't operate without uh, booze. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's fast forward now to the early 1990s. Banerjee now has the idea to take the Chippendales global. He wanted to take them to Europe, okay. specifically London. Okay. He created a show for the men called Chippendales, a musical with muscles. I would have went and saw that. Definitely. 100%. Without a doubt. It's bred like wildfire. God. Countries like France, Belgium, Holland, Germany, Sweden, they all had their own version. As with all things, competitors started to pop up. Well, hell yeah. A group called Adonis was formed by a handful of former Chippendales and started to tour Europe as well. What a great idea. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I would have done the same Me thing. Too. Why not? Because we're entrepreneurs, but. Mm-hmm. So in late 1991, the group was playing Blackpool, England. Mind you, I never heard of this place before, and now I want to go after hearing about it. Okay. It's a resort town with characteristics similar to Atlantic City, like okay, boardwalks. Okay, I was just at Atlantic City. Yeah. Not that great. No? Well, the boardwalk was shut down. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, pre-COVID, <laughs> it was probably fun. Right? No, I mean, like, we just we just went there, so it's because they closed down after, like, a uh, certain time. Probably it's after not, Labor yeah, Day or something. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Got so one night during an Adonis performance, former Chippendale Reed Scott, now a dancer for Adonis, was performing when he was asked to come off stage. An investigator told Scott that they had in- intercepted a call that there was a contract out to kill him. <sighs> they were going to use cyanide injections to end his life. Ooh. Meanwhile, back in the United States, a man who went by the codename Strawberry called the FBI and confessed that he was hired to take out three dancers from Adonis using cyanide injections. What's with these cyanide injections? It's weird, right? Yeah. So the FBI obviously wanted to know who hired him. This guy snitched. Really? Mm -hmm. Snitches stitches. Sang like a canary. I'd be so scared to. Right? Especially when you find out who hired him. Right. He told them a man in the mafia named Ray Cologne was his boss. Okay, the mafia's your boss and you're singing like a canary? Wow, this guy was brave. Honestly. Ray Cologne was an associate of Steve Banerjee. He did work around the L.A. club and also handled more shady business, like setting a rival club on fire. Oh, my God. Quickly after speaking with Strawberry, the FBI raided the home of Ray Cologne and jailed him on possession of 75 grams of cyanide. <gasps> enough to kill several hundred people. Wow. Jonestown. Mm. That's all I think about. Oh, yeah. You know? Cyanide. It's like, why do you, who, how are they getting all this cyanide? cyanide. To clean gold. Yeah. To clean <laughs> that gold. 
So after sitting in jail for 10 months, Cologne decided to cooperate. He gave all the details on the plans to kill the Adonis members, but also the information about killing Nick DeNoia. Oh, my God. All coordinated by you-know-who, Steve Banerjee. <laughs> Steve Bannon. No, he was Trump's <laughs> guy. <laughs> That's funny. So in 1992, Ray Cologne went wired and undercover to a meeting with Banerjee at an IHOP in L.A. Hmm. But Banerjee was smart and paranoid. The men would meet in the men's room, and he would only write his answers down on post-it notes and then flush them down the toilet. <gasps> he is smart. Wasn't that smart? Yeah. The wire recording was blank. They couldn't get him. Wow. So after the IHOP failure later on that year, the FBI decided they would do something unusual. They would let... Ray Cologne meet up with Banerjee in Zurich, Switzerland, posing as a fugitive on the run from the law. Okay, this is pretty brave to let like a yeah. guy that's supposed to be in jail, out of jail, to set somebody out. Seriously. In another country. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that is wild. So they met in a hotel, and the FBI had the room surrounded on both sides. Cologne heavily dis- disguised got Banerjee to talk, even having a couple drinks with them. The two men talked for hours in the room. Banerjee's paranoia about everything. He was mostly tight-lipped, even saying he was worried that the FBI was in the room next door. Wow. Yeah, that's how, like, isn't that crazy? He had a feeling that he was being well, like, listened to. Uh, like, it's... How did this guy explain, like, yeah, I just got out of jail. Let's hang well, out. Well, he said he was a, a fugitive. He's, he's oh, like, he said he escaped? Yeah, he said he had been living in, in uh, Switzerland. And that's oh, how he found him. okay. Yeah. So um, Cologne proceeded to ask him questions, get him on tape. Uh, um, Banerjee talked about if he knew anything about the deed. They kept referring to the deed, using that as the code word for the murder of Nick DeNoia. If they knew he purchased the gun and even orchestrated the hit. Said all of that? Jackpot! They got him on tape. Oh my gosh. They burst down the doors, they arrested that motherfucker, and he was done. That's wild. So Banerjee was then transported back to L.A., where he was jailed, waiting for the murder trials. So, well, he only... Did he kill any of those Adonis dancers? No. But so only that one guy. One murder trial. Gotcha. Like the other ones were obviously. Tempted murder. Conspiracy. Oh, okay. Yeah, conspiracy to commit murder. So. That's why I'm surprised the FBI like put so much effort into this. Why? Because it's like, don't you think there's other people who've done much worse? And they're like sending another fugitive to a foreign country to try to catch him? Well, this guy was a multimillionaire. That's true. I mean, it's kind of a big fish. Yeah. You know? But while waiting for the trial, Banerjee agreed to a plea deal for 27 years for the murder of Nick DeNoia. His family was incensed. His friends were incensed. They didn't think that justice was being served by letting him off the hook. How old was he? Mm, I want to say like 50s-ish. I was going to say 27 years. He's probably going to die in jail. Yeah. You know? The sad part, he would never serve a minute of that <gasps> sentence. Because on the morning of his court date, he hung himself oh, in his jail cell. 
So many people do that. Right? So annoying. <laughs> it was widely rumored that Banerjee wanted the Chippendales to stay in his family and not be governmental property and broken up, and thus the reason for his suicide. Oh, so then, okay. But joke's on him. His family sold the show. <laughs> Why do people do that? I feel like I'd keep it and make so much money. I guess if you, I mean, if you can I mean, sell they probably it made like a ton of money mil, to do it. Yeah. yeah, they probably just saw the rights, you know? Who did they sell it to? Do we know? It was sold a couple times. They sold oh, okay. um, a couple foreign investors, but they didn't really get specifically into that. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. I didn't, isn't that wild? Like, yeah. I didn't know all of that's around it. Apparently, either. there's more. There's another show that I didn't get to see, but there's like a whole mini series about other stuff that happens surrounding the Chippendales. Really? Too. Yeah. Did you ever go to Canada to Peppermint's? No. The male show. It's like the version of Chippendale. It's like. They don't let men in there. Oh, they don't? No. At least they didn't. It was stupid. Really? I thought it was kind of lame. But like, so we went for my sister's bachelorette party. And like, of course, all the guys, if you're wearing like bride to be stuff are all over you. But they're like not over any of the other girls. So my sister went outside and I was like, give me all of your things. And so I put it all on, like the sash, the pin, whatever. And then yeah. I made all these men grind on me. But it was just kind of boring. Like it wasn't, I thought it was going to be like a strip show. And oh, it's it not. It's just like them dancing. Mm. Like cool moves, bro. Is that the only time you've ever surfed? Show me your up? penis. Oh, you wanted to see the dangling. Yeah. Hmm. You know? I feel like most straight women are like, ew, that's weird. I don't want to see that flopping around while that. And they're dancing. Well, yeah, if it's like little, and then it's like weird. Do you ever see that Magic of Penis show where the guy, like the two guys, like bend their penis and balls into different shapes no. on stage? That's really, really interesting. Yeah, they and like painful. I know they like make it like into different things. I watched like an HBO special on it, so huh. I like didn't see it, but they like talked about it, and it was like it was like touring the country. Interesting. Who was going to see that? I probably would have seen it if it was in, if I knew. But about like, it. could you imagine if they sold out Shays, just doing just penis tricks, just penis tricks? It would have to be a smaller venue. Yeah, like the Revere. <laughs> I mean, Theater. unless their dinglings are that big, or they have like right. Screens. I don't know why I keep saying dingling. Dicks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all, what do you think? What do you guys think? Have you guys ever gone to a uh, Chippendale show or Thunder from Down Under? Yeah, no, that's the only thing I've ever done was the Peppermint show. I never seen like a show or Magic Mike or anything like that. No, No, me neither. I never went to any of that stuff. Yeah. I've been to several female strip clubs. Oh, hundreds. I shouldn't uh, say hundreds. Handfuls. There's nothing better than the sound of a stripper seal slamming down on the stage. Nothing better. So fun. All right, friends, let us know what you think. You can follow us on Instagram at It Just Makes Sense Podcast. We will always post when the new episode is up and available. You can follow us on our Facebook group if you want to leave us any case suggestions or just comments, questions, anything you want to talk about at It Just Makes Sense Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. We are also on TikTok on It Just Makes Sense Pod. You can follow me at WW Sam and the Buff, and you can follow Jeff at Jeff Seif on Twitter, 1F and Jeff. Make sure to add him. Bye. Bye.